We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 760 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, February 12th, 2024. And we, for the first time since the New England Patriots won back-to-back Super Bowls in the 2003 and 2004 seasons, have a repeat Super Bowl champion, the Kansas City Chiefs. A 25-22 overtime win over the San Francisco 49ers at Allegiant Stadium in Paradise, Nevada, in Super Bowl 58 on Sunday evening. What was looking like a really bad (laughs) Super Bowl ended up being a memorable Super Bowl. Thanks to the greatness of Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, one clutch play after another, the MVP of the game, and deservedly so. The Chiefs, in a postseason in which they were the AFC's number three seed, went 4-0 and in the playoffs, including a home win over the Miami Dolphins and road wins over the Buffalo Bills and Baltimore Ravens. If you go by total DVOA, For the 2023 regular season, the Chiefs in the just-concluded NFL playoff speed, the numbers 1, 2, 3, and 6 teams in the NFL in total DVOA for the 2023 regular season. A remarkable run. Mahomes and the Chiefs now have won three Super Bowls over the last five seasons, 2019, 2022, and 2023. We call that a dynasty, especially considering that there is a fourth AFC championship thrown in there. Boy, whoever coached Mahomes in college (laughs) must have done a heck of a job. Who was that person? Oh, yeah. The Commander's new offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Perhaps the work that is being done by our football team will have it back in a Super Bowl sometime soon. Don't laugh. Really, don't laugh. Hey, stop laughing, okay? Uh, Coming up on the show, a lot of Commander's conversation. Next segment, in-depth 
reaction to and analysis of the commander's news from the last few days, including yet another encouraging hire for head coach Dan Quinn's coaching staff. The team reportedly is hiring Larry Izzo as its special teams coordinator. I'll explain why that is good news. And I'll get into what NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com reported on Saturday morning that the Chicago Bears, quote, would need a historic haul of draft picks and overall compensation to move off the first pick of the 2024 NFL draft, end quote. Oh, I have a lot (laughs) to say about that. And then a great guest, Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium. He is a longtime friend of and strategic advisor for Mitchell Rails, who is the top limited partner in the commander's ownership group, the Josh Harris Group. Now, Ambassador Gutman is very upfront. He can't just come (laughs) on this podcast and blab out a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff, okay? He can't just come on this podcast and betray his relationship with Mitch Rails. I would love for that to be the case, but that just cannot be the case. But what the ambassador can do, and this is why I have him on the podcast, is give us great perspective and, shall we say, guide us in the right direction. And so I'm going to ask the ambassador about the commander's ongoing revamping of football operations, including what really went down in the hiring of Dan Quinn as head coach, especially as it relates to the uh, drama with Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. And then the commanders reportedly offering their head coaching job to Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, who of course ended up becoming Seattle Seahawks head coach. Some really good stuff from the ambassador on that and on the roles of advisory committee members Bob Myers and Rick Spielman and more. Uh, The great Howard Gutman back on this podcast in a bit. Also on the show, the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend, I will talk Capitals. A good weekend for the Caps. They got three points over two games against the two teams that entered the weekend tied atop the NHL standings for this regular season. And the Caps did this off entering the weekend on a six-game losing streak, our Caps' longest losing streak of this NHL regular season. But Saturday afternoon, a 3-0 win at the Boston Bruins, and Super Bowl Sunday afternoon, a 3-2 overtime loss to the Vancouver Canucks at Capital One Arena. And do not look now, but top-line left-wing Alex Ovechkin has gotten going. He has his first regular season goal-scoring streak of at least five games since March 2021. Uh, I will talk Wizards. Uh, two games for them over the weekend. Friday night, a 133-129 loss at the NBA-leading Boston Celtics. As our tanking Wizards were surprisingly competitive at the best team in the NBA. And then Saturday night, a 119-113 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers at Capital One Arena. So two respectable losses for the Wizards over the weekend. Uh, and a nice weekend for a key building block for the Wizards, Denny Avdia. And I will talk college basketball as we on Saturday had... Maryland, Georgetown, and Virginia Tech continuing to struggle, but Virginia continuing to win. Maryland fell to just one and seven in one possession games this season with a 79-75 double overtime loss at Ohio State on Saturday. Georgetown clinched having a losing regular season Big East record for the eighth time in nine seasons with an 89-64 loss to number one UConn 
at Capital One Arena on Saturday afternoon. Virginia Tech lost its third consecutive game, a 74-66 loss at Notre Dame on Saturday evening, but Virginia won its eighth consecutive game. Wahoo-wah! <laughs> An 80-76 win at Florida State on Saturday night. We on this installment of the podcast are covering a lot of ground. As remember, this is the podcast that follows DC area sports so that you don't have to. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Stanley Evans on the commander's coaching staff that is coming together under Dan Quinn. Right, Stanley? Yo, Goldie, what's up, man? It was a beautiful weekend. Dan Quinn is proving that he can build up a promising staff. Goes to show you that he is well-liked and respected around the league. Positivity really means a lot and can't be underestimated. I don't want to hype myself up too much because we have to see the results on the field, but Quinn is doing a superb job in hiring a dream team staff. You have to wonder if Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald would have been able to do the same. It still remains to be seen if this will be successful, but I am optimistic. Cheers to the new era. Let's shut up the national haters. Uh, Thank you for the email, Stanley. Yes, let's do that. Uh, Well, we know this about Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald. They are young and they have a lot less time in the coaching profession than Dan Quinn has. So Quinn has many more connections than Johnson and McDonald have. And if what is said about Johnson is true, that his uh, people skills are not the best, uh, then I think that it's absolutely fair to wonder if he would have put together a great staff as commander's head coach. We'll see what kind of a staff that McDonald puts together as Seahawks head coach, but the pace at which that staff is coming together is in slow motion <laughs> compared to the pace at which Quinn staff is coming together. And remember, Quinn was hired as commander's head coach after the Seahawks hired McDonald as head coach. Heck, the commanders reportedly wanted McDonald over Quinn. The commanders reportedly offered McDonald their head coaching job, making Quinn plucking Larry Izzo from McDonald Seahawks even sweeter for Quinn. I'm sure. Uh, Of course, all of our evaluations of these new coaching staffs are for now. What happens this coming season and in future seasons, of course, will truly determine how good these coaching staffs are. But right now, at this moment in time, given what we know, uh, I do really like the coaching staff that Dan Quinn is putting together. Email from Dan in Minnesota on Dan Quinn, uh, writes Dan, the emailer Dan, not Dan Quinn. Uh, I've been trying to sit back and take this transition by the new ownership in stride, but it turns out that there are very few places in Commander's Nation online that you can do that. I thought that we had a chance riding the high of the Adam Peters hire, but that only lasted until we did not get the guy who television talking heads had earmarked for us. We got a head coach who, by all accounts, is respected league-wide in a front office setup that everyone wants, fans and team, but now people are out there saying that Peters is out of his depth 
It is baffling to me, but still highly entertaining. Can we as fans just not have nice things? People say that Dan Quinn's Dallas Cowboys defenses fell apart. Okay, well, his defensive coordinator for the Commanders will be calling defensive plays. But people then say, hey, Dan's not calling plays. This is a disaster. (laughs) We get Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator. He has ties to multiple quarterbacks in this year's NFL draft and is a known offensive mind. But people say that Kingsbury was a bad head coach. And so we must be the worst franchise in football. Lighten up, people, or you aren't going to be able to enjoy the ride at all. But all of that said, I can't wait to see the meltdowns when we this offseason do not sign every major free agent. And no matter who we take in the draft, it'll be wrong. (laughs) Hours of entertainment. Thank you for the email, Dan. Uh, There has been a lot of mixed sentiment about the commanders hiring Dan Quinn as head coach. That's for sure. If you caught my conversation on last Monday's show, episode 755 with Commander's Insider J.P. Findlay of NBC4, he made it clear that he is not thrilled with the team having hired Quinn as head coach. But the hiring of Adam Peters as general manager has been very well received, and the coaching staff that Dan Quinn is putting together is being very well received. And it is important to remember the following things with fan reaction to things. Uh, A, fans, like media members, (laughs) so often are wrong. And that's a big part of why no team should ever do something or not do something based solely on what fans think or might think. B, these days with social media and the internet in general, fan reaction to things is more visible than ever before. And there is more reaction than ever before. And so when something big like the hiring of a new head coach or a new coordinator happens, you're going to see a lot of reaction and you're bound to see both positive and negative reaction. And what can be tricky is assessing whether what you're seeing is a true representation of the actual reaction. You've likely heard the phrase vocal minority. Some of the negative reaction that Dan wrote about in his email may well have been vocal minority as opposed to actual reality in terms of so many Commanders fans being so down on what the team is doing right now. Well, you do not have to wonder about the reaction to the work that the law firm of Paulson and Nace does for its clients. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. If you have been harmed by the negligence of someone else, if someone who you care about has been harmed by the negligence of someone else, call Paulson and Nace at 202 902 And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. In fact, Paulson and Nace was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 
edition. And Chris Nace and Matt Nace specifically are dedicated and decorated trial attorneys. Uh, Chris Nace in May was named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Chris in July was elected as the parliamentarian of the American Association for Justice. And both Chris and Matt Nace in August were recognized by Best Lawyers in America for 2024. Why the accolades? Well, Paulson and Nace fights for you. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Hey, thank you to all of you who have given this podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long, can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. Uh, Some commanders and commanders-related news items from the last few days. We on Friday afternoon had multiple reports that the commanders are hiring Larry Izzo to be their special teams coordinator. Uh, This is another encouraging hire for head coach Dan Quinn's coaching staff. Izzo had been with the Seattle Seahawks for the previous six seasons, 2018 through 2023. He was their assistant special teams coordinator February 2018 to September 2020, was their interim special teams coordinator September 2020 to March 2021, and was their special teams coordinator from March 2021 to February 2024. Uh, The Seahawks had the following rankings in special teams DVOA for each of Larry Izzo's four regular seasons running the team's special teams. 2020 number three, 2021 number five, 2022 number four, and 2023 number eight. So top 10 in the NFL in each regular season, including top five in the NFL in each of the 2020, 2021, and 2022 regular seasons. That is remarkably consistent special teams excellence. A lot goes into special teams DVOA, kicking, punting, kickoff return coverage, punt return coverage, to be top 10 in the NFL in each of four consecutive regular seasons running Seahawks special teams is really impressive. Uh, Nate Katzer had been Washington special teams coordinator since January 2019. He had some good seasons as Washington special teams coordinator. The commanders for the 2022 regular season were number seven in the NFL in special teams DVOA, but the commanders for the 2023 regular season were just a 26th 
out of 32 NFL teams in special teams DVOA. Larry Izzo was an NFL linebacker and special teams ace for the 1996 through 2009 seasons, including making the Pro Bowl for his special teams work for the 2000, 2002, and 2004 seasons. He was with the New England Patriots for the 2001 through 2008 seasons, winning three Super Bowls. Uh, And Larry Izzo has ties to the Washington, D.C. area. Spent his first two years of high school at Broad Run High School in Ashburn, Virginia. Meantime, the time of Randy Jordan with Washington is over. Uh, We on Saturday afternoon had multiple reports that the Tennessee Titans are hiring Randy Jordan as running backs coach. He had been with Washington for the last 10 seasons, if you could believe that. Yes, we had Randy Jordan for a decade, uh, 2014 through 2023. Randy Jordan was with Washington for all of Jay Gruden's time as the team's head coach and for all of Ron Rivera's time as the team's head coach. Jordan was Washington's running backs coach for the 2014 through 2022 seasons and was the commander's senior offensive assistant slash running backs coach for the 2023 season. Uh, Second consecutive Saturday on which we learned of the departure of a commander's coach, the Atlanta Falcons on February 3rd announced Ken Zampezi as their senior offensive assistant. Zampezi was with Washington for the 2020 through 2023 seasons. He served as Washington's quarterbacks coach for the 2020 through 2022 seasons and then served as senior offensive advisor slash game management for the 2023 season. So you take a step back, Dan Quinn's staff as commander's head coach so far includes the following. On offense, Cliff Kingsbury, officially as offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, reportedly with a prominent role as offensive coach, Tavita Pritchard, reportedly staying as quarterbacks coach. And on defense, Joe Witt Jr., officially as defensive coordinator, Jason Simmons, reportedly as defensive backs coach and defensive passing game coordinator. And now Larry Izzo, reportedly as special teams coordinator. The big remaining hires are offensive line coach, receivers coach, tight ends coach, running backs coach, defensive line coach, and linebackers coach. And of course, there will be other coaches on the staff too, likely multiple assistants to position coaches. As for the 2024 NFL draft in which the commanders have the number two overall pick. A very interesting item came out on Saturday morning. NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com. He on Saturday morning came out with a report in which he said that the Chicago Bears, the quote, would need a historic haul of draft picks and overall compensation to move off the first pick of the 2024 NFL Draft, sources say. In the words of one source, it would have to be crazy, end quote. This was Ian Rappaport on NFL Network on Saturday. The biggest story of the offseason revolves around the Chicago Bears. What are they going to do with the number one overall selection? Are they going to trade it? Are they going to trade Justin Fields? Are they going to take Caleb Williams, the USC star? Here is my understanding after talking to uh, various sources involved in the situation. 
it would take a historic haul, a historic haul, something crazy for the Bears to move off of the number one overall selection. And that bit of knowledge contains wide-ranging ramifications. First of all, that is an indication that the Bears, absent some sort of wild draft compensation from someone trying to move up for Caleb Williams, that is a sign that they will likely take a quarterback number one. I know DJ's number one uh, ranked quarterback is Caleb Williams. No surprise, most people around the league view the same thing. That also is an indication that they will likely move on from Justin Fields. If that is the case, they should be able to get prime draft pick compensation for their starter for the last three years. Fields really impressed. I know the Bears really like everything that he has done on the field, in the locker room, in the organization. It's just a rare opportunity to make the number one overall selection and take a franchise quarterback. But no doubt, whatever the Bears do is going to end up being fascinating over the next couple months. Yes, it is. Uh, and then here were Ian Rappaport and fellow NFL insider Mike Garofolo of NFL Network and NFL.com on NFL Network on Sunday. No bigger question this offseason than what are the Chicago Bears going to do at the quarterback position? Once again, they hold the number one overall pick. Also have their starting quarterback, Justin Fields, still under contract. Here is my understanding of where it stands for the Chicago Bears. According to sources, it would take a historic haul for the Bears to move off the number one overall selection. Something wild. Not saying it could not happen just like it did last year, but something crazy would make this happen. Which leads me down the line of one, likely to select Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback. They're not there yet, Mike, but my understanding is they believe he is special, just want to get comfortable with the person. Would also likely indicate that they would trade Justin Fields for a premium draft pick, a potential new franchise quarterback coming in for the Chicago Bears. So where does that leave the Washington Commanders? Right now at number two with a new regime, Dan Quinn, the, the head coach, uh, Adam Peters, the new general manager, but also Cliff Kingsbury, the offensive coordinator, and many have noted Kingsbury spent last year with USC. We do expect, and many around the league expect, the Commanders to at least check in with the Bears to see what that historic haul would be as you see Cliff Kingsbury right there. Ian, you talked last week about Magic Johnson being one of the people that recruited Cliff Kingsbury mm -hmm. to come to the Commanders after he decided to not go with the Las Vegas Raiders. Not only did they go there contractually, I'm told they also communicated to Kingsbury, we'll do as much as we possibly can to get the quarterback that you want. So if it's Williams, they'll try to get to Chicago at number one. But if not, Drake May from North Carolina is certainly a possibility there, and they're comfortable with him mm -hmm. potentially. So how about that? The commanders, according to Mike Garofolo, told Cliff Kingsbury that they will do what they can to get him the quarterback who he wants. That's interesting, and that is new intel. But regarding the Bears, so in sports and in life, uh, there is what is said and there is what is meant. And a lot of what we do on this podcast is differentiate between what is said and what is meant. What was said by Ian Rappaport was that the Bears would have to receive a lot in order to trade their number one overall pick in the 2024 draft. But what was meant by what Rappaport said was the Bears, they are open for business. Let's think about this logically. Who do you think make up the sources who told Rappaport that the Bears, quote, would need a historic haul 
of draft picks and overall compensation to move off the first pick of the 2024 NFL Draft, end quote. I'll tell you who I think make up the sources who told Rappaport that. The Bears! The Bears! The Bears! <laughs> yes, the Bears! Uh, whenever something like this is leaked, you always have to ask, who did the leaking? Who was the leaker? Or who were the leakers? And a good way of figuring out who did the leaking is figuring out who benefits from the leaking. And the entity that benefits from the Bears wanting historic trade compensation in order to trade their number one overall pick in the 2024 draft is, yes, the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Yeah, the Bears. Now, whether the commanders should want to move up from two to one is a different conversation. How general manager Adam Peters views the perceived top quarterbacks in the 2024 draft will determine whether the commanders should want to move up from two to one. The general sentiment, although not universal sentiment, is that USC's Caleb Williams is the number one quarterback. Then there's a drop off. And then the numbers two and three quarterbacks are North Carolina's Drake May and LSU's Jaden Daniels in some order. A, does Adam Peters agree with this analysis? B, if so, how big of a drop off does Adam see between Caleb and that next level of quarterbacks in the 2024 draft? But put aside what Adam Peters thinks, what you think, what anyone thinks about Caleb Williams versus Drake May versus Jaden Daniels. What Ian Rappaport reported on Saturday morning is not, as some have suggested, reason to believe that the commanders in no way should trade up from two to one. Oh, no, 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 no. What Ian Rappaport reported on Saturday morning is reason to believe that the Bears are open to trading that number one overall pick. The Bears leaked this, and they leaked this because they want to drive up the trade price for that number one overall pick as high as possible. And them wanting to do that means that they're open to trading that pick. Does it mean that they will trade that pick? But they are open to trading that pick. The Bears are open for business. The Bears. The Bears. That's right. The Bears. Uh, By the way, this was senior advisor to Commander's team president, Jason Wright, Doug Williams, on NFL Network's Super Bowl Live this past Friday morning with host Andrew Siciliano and analyst Bucky Brooks. You got Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff, Caleb, we're just connecting dots here. Doug, have you guys called the Bears yet to try to get to one? I'm going to say we hadn't at this particular time. You know, I think Adam, this is the first next week going to be the first time that Adam get a chance to sit in with, with, with the uh, scouts and, and everybody that is in personnel to, to go over, you know, what their plans are. Uh, you know, a good part about it, we're sitting in a great position because you got three great quarterbacks that, that are out there, you know, one, two, and three. Uh, but at the same time, we got the second pick and we got four picks still within the, the first 100 picks. So at the end of the day, you know, we have great capital. 
Uh, we can do what we think we need to do with this football team, and that's to build it. At the end of the day, you know, if it's a quarterback, great. If it's an offensive lineman, great. If it's a defense rusher, you know, whatever way they want to go, we can, we can go that way. And I think we, we got ourselves in a good position. Hold, hold on, Doug. It, it, if you guys take a tackle at two, <laughs> like, you, you know how people are going to react. <laughs> They're going to throw stuff. Now. They're going to they throw stuff. I know D.C. They're going to throw stuff at you guys now. Well, I, I, I think, Buck, I think you know good and well. You know, I, I got to be political about this whole thing now. But, but no, I just threw it out there. But, but you know, 9 out of 10, that, that was a good chance that we might pick one of the quarterbacks. But at the same time, you know, we got enough picks behind them to fill in those, those blanks, whether or not it's an offensive tackle, the defensive end, a linebacker, what have you. So I think we're in great position. Yeah, Doug Williams uh, trying to play coy and then admitting that he was trying to play coy. The commanders would appear to be extremely likely to be going quarterback via their number two overall pick, either by using that pick on a quarterback or using that pick to trade up to number one to take a quarterback. Uh, And to me, the Bears are open for business. Well, also open for business is Nova Fireplace and Stove, which is offering an exceptional deal to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. If you live in Northern Virginia and you have a masonry fireplace, call Nova Fireplace and Stove, which right now is offering the following deal to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. An in-stock wood insert at an extremely discounted price, just 6 thousand dollars plus tax. The usual price is $9,000 plus tax. So this is a 33% discount and the $6,000 plus tax includes installation, permit, and county slash city inspection. And you can get a government funded tax credit as well up to $2,000 dropping the price to just $4,000, all things considered. A site visit is required, and you must have a masonry fireplace. But if you live in Northern Virginia, call Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803. Talk to my guy, Stuart Moore. He is the general manager. He's a big Commanders fan and a loyal listener of this podcast. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and get this exceptional deal on an in-stock wood insert. Again, 33 percent off. A standard masonry fireplace is only about 10% efficient, but a wood insert is over 70% efficient. A wood insert installed into a masonry fireplace elongates the burn time of your logs. This is a great way to heat your home and save money on heating your home. Visit NovaFireplaceAndStove.com to check out customer reviews of Nova Fireplace and Stove, but call Nova Fireplace and Stove. 571-513-3803 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. That's Nova Fireplace and Stove 571-513-3803 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. All right, time now to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast, a man with whom I have had many conversations about the -the off-the-field controversies slash scandals slash happenings (laughs) with the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders. And I have said to him that I looked forward to the day on which we did not have to talk about such matters, and I am thrilled to say 
that we do not have to talk about such matters. We can actually talk football, specifically the ongoing revamping of Commander's football operations. Howard Gutman is back on the podcast. Howard is a longtime friend of and strategic advisor for the top limited partner in the Commander's ownership group, the Josh Harris Group, Mitchell Rails. Uh, Howard is the former United States ambassador to Belgium. He was U.S. ambassador to Belgium from August 2009 to July 2013. Howard is a 1977 graduate of Columbia University and a 1980 graduate of Harvard Law School. He has appeared in several movies and television shows. He's the host of the political commentary radio show, As I See It, on News Radio WRVA in Richmond, Virginia, and on the Odyssey app. And Howard, for the 2023 season, was the host of a Commander's postgame show. He and his son, Colin, hosted the postgame gut check on Sports Radio 910, The Fan in Richmond. I was lucky enough to be a guest on that show. Howard is a big fan and astute observer of the Commanders, and he is a loyal listener of this podcast. You can follow him on X at the Howard Gutman. Ambassador Gutman, it is great to talk to you, and it is nice to have you on not to talk about any investigations or lawsuits or scandals or controversies with our football team. We can actually talk football. How are you? I am doing great, um, and uh, all all Washington fans are doing great uh, on that score. Um, we've seen what a difference a year makes. So true. Uh, so this ongoing revamping of Commander's football operations, a revamping that we knew was coming. Uh, Adam Peters hired as a general manager via the rapid but thorough process, as promised by managing partner Josh Harris. Uh, the head coaching search did get complicated uh, and I guess somewhat controversial with the situation with Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. But Dan Quinn, of course, got the job. There is a lot to like with Quinn, including the coaching staff that he is putting together, led by Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator and Joe Witt Jr. as defensive coordinator. Uh, A lot still to happen, a lot still to be determined, but what do you think about all that has happened with the team so far this offseason? So first, Al, let me say, people know from appearances on your show and others um, that I've I've worked with Mitchell Rails for years, I've been friends for for decades with Mark Ein. If I didn't have something good to say, I would just not come on. But they should know at least if I'm favorable, it is it is just what I actually believe. Um, they have a political talk show each week. I speak the truth. And in the, the commander's postgame show that I did for the for the full season, I criticized them as much as, as anybody. So I tell it straight. But I have been... As I learn more as an observer, nothing inside information, just sitting back watching and reading the stuff that everybody reads, um, I've been A, amazed at their success, and B, a little surprised at, at some of the reaction. Uh, and let me tell you what, what I, what, how I see it. Um, uh, first of all, um, on the, there is that period before you are allowed to interview anyone. The season's ongoing, the playoffs are ongoing, and you're just doing your research. And none of us knew what were they really doing. Were they preparing? It was all quiet. Um, but, uh, you know, the, all the, your show, all the commentators kind of started putting together their lists of GMs. Um, and, you know, when, when that kind of came out, everyone had, 
Adam Peters, Ian Cunningham, Alex Halabi, Joe Horvick. There's kind of a group that these would be the top candidates. And lo and behold, the commanders were able to talk to each. Each was willing to come here. And as as that so sort of as first choices came out, the, the, the market generally had kind of Adam Peters as the guy you'd like to have. The difference between what we all read and what we all think and is none of us get to talk to them. So the fact that they talk to the commanders, that's great. But then it's that group that gets to talk to them that decides. And in the general manager search, um, their first choice, meaning the sort of initial choice, which the world had, you know, kind of said, I think Adam Peters looks like the guy with the best credentials. He also proved to be the first choice when you actually got through the process. Uh, and it was a home run. I, my understanding from what's come out is Peters came to that, um, th those meetings, excited about the commanders, having thought about the position with presentations and the like. I think they, it's everything I read, they really liked Ian Cunningham as well. They thought well of Alex Lobby. But the process was that sort of first choice, meaning the initial choice, ended up being the first choice, meaning the top choice. Um, and so I came away saying, man, they did a heck of a job, um, both in the process, um, because the process was trying to identify and reach out to these people. There's nobody better to identify and reach out to an Adam Peters than a Rick Myers. Um, no one better to, if you're looking at a potential coach of Detroit than a, a Rick Spielman. Um, so they had put together a great search committee. They knew enough uh, not to have it be Dan Snyder sitting in his, you know, in his basement in Potomac saying, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, this is the guy I want. <laughs> Uh, so we ended up with everybody's view of, of um, the top GM, and he has not disappointed, let's say, through, through today. And then he turned to the coaches' search. And I'm a little surprised that there was disappointment, and I think it's a little bit at the media's feet, because we all were asked, who's our first choice? And again, the first choice could mean initial choice. That's going into the process. That's based on what we know. And I think we all said, looking at it, man, we really like the Lions offense this year. Um, that looks pretty cool. Whoever is the architect, it's not Dan Campbell. So it's Ben Johnson. He seems like he knows how to put together an offense. And then I said, and others did, man, I like Houston as well. That Bobby Sloak seems to know what he's doing. Uh, on defenses, well, Dallas has always been the top five the last three years. Uh, Quinn can lead any defense in the world. And Baltimore looks fabulous. That young guy, McDonald. And so we all had first choices. I would say the world, the media, you know, the proclaimed Ben Johnson, the first choice, meaning the initial choice. But first choice then means top choice, not necessarily just kind of two senses of it. So you had to go through the rest of the process. And then what we've kind of learned in the rest of the process, I mean, Ben Johnson might be a fabulous head coach one day, but if, if, if when my, when my kid was 10, if he had texted the girl he was supposed to take to the junior high school prom and said, change my mind, I'm not coming. Um, I probably would have taught my son. That's not really how you go around handling yourself in the world. Um, so if we learn that Ben Johnson texted them on the airplane, never mind, I'm pulling out. Um, and then 
kind of what we really have learned, nobody, Seattle, nobody came up with their first choice being the top choice. Ben Johnson is going to be a very successful offensive coordinator and maybe a fabulous head coach someday, but he's not there now. Um, he, he didn't have that kind of where he's ready for that job. I think Bobby Slowick realized he, you know, is a one-year offensive coordinator. I suspect one year he's going to be great. The, the goal when you look for that next hot thing, the Sean McVay or the LaFleur or the Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel was a one-year coordinator who turned the Dolphins into successful. The goal is to figure out who's a really good one-year coordinator like them or who will be the next Adam Gaze or Nathaniel Hackett where they were really good coordinators, but they flamed out quickly as head coaches and that is a process that none of us were akin to, were part of. You have to talk to the people. You didn't hear after that Zoom talk that people said, oh, that Ben Johnson is doing amazingly. Um, but I was impressed by how the process was handled. They talked to everybody. Um, they, everybody was willing to talk to them. They talked to everybody. And the process worked out to where the people who might have been the initial choices on paper didn't really, you know, no one's sitting there saying, oh, boy, I wish I had had Bobby Slowick or Ben Johnson now. And then the, the, from what I can tell, everything they learned about Dan Quinn, his popularity in the league, his maturity, his ability to assemble a staff. Um, if you look so far, um, people would think you could get either Cliff Kingsbury or Brian Johnson to come to to be the offensive lead guy under a Dan Quinn on the defense, but you got them both. They would think you could get a Quinn or the Dallas would have taken uh, Witt Jr. as their defensive coordinator. Jason Simmons was up and coming on there. They got all three. Um, uh, it's because people want to go to this staff. They like the owner. They like the general manager. Now they like the coach. That's inside football that we don't, you know, people like us don't have except watch where the people go to. Um, and the other thing that that's producing, which I've only seen the Rams and the 49ers do successfully, is already build in a, a, a succession plan. Um, when the, the 49ers are like a coaching breeding ground, they train you, then someone hires you away, and they have someone right behind you. The, the knock in hiring the defensive coordinator was, oh, well, if you have a good year the next year, you're going to lose your offensive coordinator um, to become a head coach somewhere. And then your quarterback has to start all again. Well, if Kingsbury, if we have a great year, that should be the worst thing we're worried about. We're going to have such a great year that Kings, Kingsbury's in command. Uh, uh, in demand. If Kingsbury left, you'd have Brian Johnson. We have Tavita Pritchard right behind him. He was willing to stay when others were wooing him. We have a three-layer secession on offense and defense. Um, in other words, and I'll finish it like this, in other words, Josh Harris and Mitch Rails have put together a hierarchy by letting the professionals handle it, where it's a, a corporation the way you'd like top talent, uh, followed by top talent followed by top talent that should put us in good stead uh, or as good stead as you can hope. We never know how it's going to end up. Uh, but, uh, but I would think um, we did probably better than any club um, that was in the market for either GMs or, 
or head coaches? And when was the last time we were able to say that? The Ben Johnson saga with the commanders did get odd. I mean, there's no doubt about that. If he had not canceled his second interview with the commanders uh, via text as they were mid-flight en route to him, and also uh, Detroit Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn, do you think that Johnson might be the commander's head coach right now? So, look, it's possible they land, they talk to Ben Johnson, he says, oh my gosh, I've been so eager to be the commander's coach. Here's a, a presentation I've done on how I'll fill out my coaching staff. Here's what, he could have been that person, but we now know from what we know, that wasn't where his head was at. So the rest would have likely followed. Seattle had interviewed them the day before. I assure you, if that's who they had found, like the equivalent of the Adam Pierce when they got to meet him, Seattle wouldn't have let him leave. It's obviously not where he was in his, his scope and frame of mind. On the other hand, Dan Quinn has been thinking about this since the day he left his last head coaching job. He told us he, he stays where his feet are except in one capacity. He was sitting there saying, well, I could get it when I get my next chance. He's been thinking about this for a while. So you meet a Dan Quinn. It's not like he does a good press conference. You know, you win the press conference, but you lose the field. He's a mensch. He's a mensch in the press conference. He's a mensch in the, in the interview. If you're looking to hire a head coach, this guy is going to come in and say, I've been waiting for this day for three years. I'm, I don't begrudge a minute of putting Dallas's top five defense three years in a row. The only thing greater than that is being the head of a team at the Super Bowl and winning it. And I... I made mistakes. I learned from it. I'm not the I, I'm not the world's greatest X and O guru of tomorrow. But we're talking head coach. We're not talking your defensive court. By the way, we'll put together a defense. I'll bring my guy with, and we'll put together a defense that has been no slack. Every defense he's been with is dominant. Um, and we'll we know how to find now the coaches we need uh, to put together as good an X and O. So I can't say Ben Johnson couldn't have reversed it after the Zoom call, but we know that's not where he's at yet. Where he's at yet is I really like being Dan Campbell's guy who goes into the room on when till Wednesday and and you know goes to my lab and charts up all these things and decides how we're going to run and how we're going to pass block. Um, and I'm having a blast doing that. And someday I'll think about. You know, would, would, would Brian Johnson have joined his staff? No. You know, would Cliff Kingsbury have taken his coordinate? No, that's not, it's not where it is. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not a very talented guy. It just means he wasn't the right guy at the time. So although he was the initial choice of all of us, all the fans on paper, when you're done with the process, having known what we know, he, he wouldn't be anybody's top choice. So I think they got their first choice. Uh, when first choice means your top choice, ultimately, when the process, uh, when you've learned all the facts. That's totally fair. By the way, in all of your years dealing with high-level, powerful people, did you ever have a meeting with someone canceled while you were flying to that meeting? Um, you, you know, the the that's, I don't want to over, that's an act of kind of desperation fear. He didn't want to come into that room. He didn't know how to handle it. I get it. By the way, if you ask me, I don't know. I'm just reading tea leaves. 
But remember that initial report that from his agent that it would take fifteen million to sign him. Um, we didn't know whether that was real. I'm not sure that his agent didn't get ahead of Ben Johnson. I'm not sure that Ben Johnson was was pushing for this as much as someone else um, because, and we haven't heard from him, I haven't met him, but it's okay to kind of get cold feet. It's okay to say, I really kind of want to stay home. It, it's, it's just, you know, if, even if you're there, someone should say to you, Meet with these people and say, look, I think the commanders are building something special. Um, it's going to be whoever gets this job. It's going to be the right person. And I would even hope someday down the line I could be part of your organization. But I've done this for a year in Detroit. I feel really committed to Quinn. I feel comfortable here. And I don't have my sea legs yet. Not sure this is right for me. Um, the process is what taught me. I could, I didn't send you here for nothing. I put my hat and name in the ring because I wasn't sure, but the process has convinced me, but I'd love to stay in touch. That's, that's the mensch way of not taking a job. It's not that, it's not that hard. No one should have let him text it. Um, there's right ways and there's wrong ways, but so he's made a mistake. Someday he's going to have to say in 2022, I had feelers out and I said I wasn't interested. In 2023, I had feelers out and I began to talk to two teams who I thought I was interested in and I wasn't ready. But now, 2024 or 2025, whenever it is, I've learned by those mistakes and for God's sake, can you believe I texted the commanders? What a, what a mistake. But I've learned by those mistakes and I know I, you know, you're going to have to this isn't Lucy and Charlie Brown and saying this time I won't pull the football. You have to believe me that this time I won't pull the football, Charlie <laughs> Brown. You're not going to end up on your back. But I've learned. So there's a growing process. It's okay. He's in the middle of the playoffs and he's got this pressure and he's supposed to want to be a head coach. But he really wasn't there mentally. That That's okay. It's just you, you got to learn by those mistakes. Much more with Howard Gutman in moments, but if you enjoy Commander's Conversation, always really good Commander's Conversation at bgobsession.com. You can placate your Burgundy and Gold Obsession at bgobsession.com. BG Obsession, or BGO, has been the home of the most knowledgeable, friendly, and passionate Washington fans on the web since 2009. BGO is a special place at which you can join your fellow fans for some smart football discussion, great contests, game day chats, and even lifelong friendships. So what are you waiting for? Visit and join BGO at bgobsession.com, home to your burgundy and gold obsession. We are talking commanders with Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, a longtime friend of and strategic advisor for the top limited partner in the Josh Harris group, Mitchell Rails. What about new Seattle Seahawks head coach Mike McDonald? Multiple reports that the commanders offered their head coaching job to McDonald before hiring Dan Quinn. How should we view that? Well, I don't have inside information, but I have a feeling that McDonald did better than, uh, obviously better than um, Johnson. I think he probably was in the discussion. And then there's that process where you begin to talk to the agent, which they've done with Quinn, which they've done with, and you begin to see what's apples and oranges. Now, McDonald came away with, a six-year contract um, where he's going with 
for his offensive coordinator. So he's been a one-year defensive coordinator successful. He's going with his offensive coordinator for a guy who's who three years ago was at Sioux Falls. Um, you know, is a one-year Washington offensive coordinator. They've got. Um, they may be fabulous. They may take the greatest minds and build them over time. And John Schneider, the GM, has got a lot of gray hair, and he might be the perfect guy for that. But this is really, you know, learning from the ground up together. Um, we would have had a first-time owner, a first-time GM, a first-time anywhere more than a play caller on either side and not even a first-time offensive play caller. Um, so it's a different world with McDonald, but I think there's very pros to be said. So they probably were talking there. But if you ask me, given what we've now got, um, the, the Dan Quinn leadership, Kingsbury Johnson um, on the going on the offense, the, the Witt and Jason Simmons going on the defense, We've got people who have proven themselves but aren't done doing so. They still have a lot more to prove um, uh, and um, a, a shot to be there. So I think ultimately, when you look at apples and apples, McDonald was probably a really good fit for Seattle, but Quinn would have been fine. And Quinn was a really good fit for the commanders, but McDonald would have been fine. And I don't think anyone else quite got to that level. And you can almost almost tell people also criticize why were there only two offensive coaches on their list? Why was it just Swellick and Johnson? Well, the others might do well. Brian Callahan might do well. But Brian Callahan was the offensive coordinator behind Zach Taylor who called the plays at Cincinnati. I'm not sure the fans would have been comfortable nor the ownership saying we're going to have a guy who's never even called the offensive play as our offensive head coach. Um, Dave Canales, again, might be fabulous, but, you know, but uh, Tampa's offense was 22nd ranked in the league this year, and ours was 23rd. Um, it be pretty hard to distinguish between Canales and Bannerme, but they weren't even in the Johnson and Slower kind of conversations. They didn't even take the interviews with them because that's a tribute to Adam Peters and Josh Harris and his ownership. Um, but once you got there, there was really two young hotshot offensive head coaches who had really kind of established themselves as good at that. And the question is, was any ready and, and need wanting to be in a position to be a head coach and not really. And on the defensive side, um, you had the one way to go, the, the Belichick, Rabel, uh, Harbor, you know, you, you can go that way, but that's not where our organization is, where you have the guy who's used to having a lot of say. We want a GM, you know, headed young GM building a team, you know, kind of model and the head coach. So that, that first model didn't work. Once that first model didn't work, and once the Johnson and Slovak world aren't ready to be a head coach, then it was... Dan Quinn head and shoulders above the others, along with take a shot at McDonald and put together that youth movement, and it might work or it might take a while. Um, it, you know, we don't know what we're going to do, but um, but even Kyle Shanahan, who's a bigger coaching god, you know, we should have gotten than Kyle Shanahan. He, he started zero and nine his first year. Um, that year, he ended up six and ten. The following year, I think he went four and twelve, 
till he finally had a winner at 10 and six. And then he went back to six and 10. So four of his, three of his first four years were bad losing seasons. Um, he'd much rather get Kyle Shanahan model two, you know, which is the last three years. Um, there, and there's no sort of on the job training there. Um, and with Dan Quinn, I think we've gotten a guy who's been there, but now has had that, here's how you do it better the next time. The Brian Johnson who said, you know, I ran a good offense, then I took part of the blame, but here's how better next time. Cliff Kingsbury is exactly that. He's in his 40s, and yet he has been everywhere, kind of got a lot of acclaim, but knows where he was shortcomings. I think this group is poised to win now. You know, I might be back a year from now when you play the poise to win and it doesn't work. But at least the best an ownership group can do is put together a team that is poised to win now and with a succession plan to make that for a very long time. Josh Harris on January 8th in announcing the firing of head coach Ron Rivera also announced the formation of an advisory committee that consisted of limited partners Mitch Rails, Magic Johnson, and David Blitzer, former Golden State Warriors president of basketball operations and general manager Bob Myers, and former Minnesota Vikings general manager Rick Spielman. The Bob Myers and Rick Spielman hirings were surprising. The team did a really good job of keeping those under wraps. Why do you think that it was important to Josh to bring in outside people in Myers and Spielman to assist in these searches that led to the hirings of Adam Peters and Dan Quinn. So when something looks rapid or quick or easy, it's usually because there was a great deal of preparation in advance. It's what we see. Boy, look at that. It took one day and they found a search committee and it took one day and they knew who their GM was. It took one day and their head coach knew who his staff was. This was a function of being prepared, doing your homework, um, and and understanding in the market. Here are reputations. And Bob Myers, among the agent world, um, whether that's in football or basketball, um, doesn't matter. Among the agent world, Bob Myers knows them all. He's well regarded. He can pick up the phone and tell anybody. Uh, you know, talk to anybody and he can give the kind of inside advice that says, you know, I think this guy's pretty good, but needs a couple of years or, or this guy's there. Uh, we, we guys like you and I can do the research and say, well, Alex Halabi is a, Halabi is a, a data information guy and he's been with Philly for a long time and Ian Cunningham uh, you know, trained and now he's doing well in Chicago. But their their names to us, their baseball trading cards. Bob Myers either knows people or knows the people who knows people where he can get a ton of feedback. He also happened to have a personal relationship with Adam Peters. And if you've done your homework enough to say, well, that would be important as well um, to where you could, you know, get a feel for whether things might be a fit. Um, But that took real research. Anybody, all the pundits did research on the question of who should advise this group. And there are lots of real retreads who have done. There are some people who have participated in four of the last six coaching uh, searches, they say, on their website, or three of the last five GM searches on their website. And I used to say, if you've got a guy who worked on three of the last five GM searches, he's already recommended five, uh, five and three have been hired. 
you're getting his number four choice. I don't think you really want the guy who's already told Chicago who to hire and uh, and the Panthers who to hire. Um, but you had to find people who know, and that's what people like Josh Harris and the Trails and Mark Ein, executives who have who have filled slots. You know, they hire CEOs and CFOs and COOs and marketing directors. They kind of know the processes. They know who are the influencers. The thing that's the most surprising in this town is that it's been quick because we never heard a thing about it. Nothing leaked. The organization was run competently. It was told when we needed to hear it, and otherwise they worked professionally behind the scenes. Are Bob Myers and Rick Spielman with the commanders beyond this offseason, or is their presence more just about these hirings of Adam Peters and Dan Quinn? So when you work with people, I don't know what the formal issue will be, but they are in Josh Harris's world. They are in the trail's world now. If if there's a problem, it doesn't have to be formal or not. If there's a problem, there's a relationship there. If there's uh, advice, there's a relationship there. Do I think they're going to be hired as president of the club? Not. That's not where they are. That's not where the club is. Do I think they will always maintain a relationship in the football world and in the sports world with the ownership of the commanders? For sure. Um, these were, these personal relationships go back, you know, you know, whenever they're formed, they hopefully go forward decades and often they go back a long time. Um, and you talk to people who have the ability to, to participate in whatever it is, um, they are not going to decide now who's going to be our offensive line coach. That's going to be Adam Peters and and uh, Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury and Brian Johnson. And, you know, we have plenty of people to advise on that next coaching. But say they identified someone and they're looking at him and, and Josh says, I think Bob Myers knows him well or his dad played with Spielman or... Or Al Galdi might know, and let's ask him. They'll reach out to the people they know. <laughs> well, Ambassador, you can tell Josh Harris and Mitch Rails that I am happy to assist in any way that I can. Final question. Uh, all of the questions uh, and thoughts surrounding the Commanders having the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Will they slash should they trade up? to number one to take USC quarterback Caleb Williams. If the commanders do not trade up to one, who should they take it to? North Carolina quarterback Drake May or LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels? Should Adam Peters be open to trading down in the first round? Uh, How is Howard Gutman thinking about what the commanders will slash should do with that number two overall pick? Here's how I feel so good. You could make mistakes, and we know... We know looking 10 years back, we'll look back and say, huh, who knew that this was the best quarterback in that group? But what you want to know is, do you have the information? Do you have the ability to assess the talent? Where's your club prepared? That's the most you can ask. We have, with regard to Caleb Williams, we have the, the offensive guru who worked with him last year. We have Adam Peters um, in that room. We have Cliff Kingsbury in that room. We have Brian Johnson in that room. We have Tavita Pritchard in that room, who knows Sam Howell better than anybody. We are the team in the best position to assess that talent. So you know at least whatever we do, 
if you are Howard Gutman or any or 980 or 1067 or any podcast guy or the like, you knew less than the team did. You brought less talent to that judgment and you had less information than they did. So they've at least got entered the process right. So we will have we will almost by by process have made the correct choice prospectively. Retrospectively, no one can know for sure, but we will have made the most informed choice. What that is, that's the greatness of football in, in February, waiting for the draft. I can tell you, um, I already reached out to my buddy Jeff Pash, the, the, um, the general counsel of the NFL, to ask whether he can hook Colin, my son, and I uh, up at the draft in Detroit, and we're headed there. So all the action will be back in Ashburn, but we're going to be there in Detroit cheering whatever that number two pick is, whether they trade, if they trade down, it was a smart pick because they did it. If they took any of the top three quarterbacks, it was at two. It was a smart pick because they did it because we know they're at least prepared for this process. The great Howard Gutman headed to Detroit for the 2024 draft. Uh, Say hello to Ben Johnson (laughs) if you see him. Ambassador, uh, I know that I speak for a lot of Commanders fans in saying that we are excited about what is happening with the team. Doesn't mean that we don't have questions, but there is a lot to like with what's going on right now. Thank you and all the best. All the best, Al. Thanks so much. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this past weekend had the potential to be a disaster for the Capitals. Uh, They were reeling. They were in the midst of a six-game losing streak, their longest losing streak of this NHL regular season. And they had back-to-back games against the two teams that entered the weekend tied atop the NHL standings. The Eastern Conference-leading Boston Bruins and the Western Conference-leading Vancouver Canucks. But what happened 
was that the Caps had themselves a nice little weekend. Uh, Saturday afternoon, a 3-0 win at the Bruins in what was the second and final game of the Caps' 14th Mentors trip. The Caps Mentors trip, their annual road trip on which players and even coaches bring their dads, brothers, uncles, coaches, or mentors of any kind. Uh, the Caps now are 18-9-0 all-time in games on mentors trips. And then on Super Bowl Sunday afternoon, a 3-2 overtime loss to the Canucks at Capital One Arena. So the Caps got at least a point in each game. They, for this regular season now, are 23-20-8 and and are tied with the New Jersey Devils for fifth in the eight-team Metropolitan Division at 54 points, although the Caps have played one more game than the Devils have played. The number one thing to know about the Caps weekend is that the Great Eight now is officially hot. Top line left wing Alex Ovechkin. He now has his first regular season goal scoring streak of at least five games since March 2021. Uh, the win at the Bruins on Saturday afternoon, Ovechkin scored an even strength empty net goal 1933 into the third period to make history. This goal was Ovi's 57th career NHL regular season empty net goal, breaking a tie with the great one, Wayne Gretzky, for the most regular season empty net goals in NHL history. And Ovi had a primary assist, and he had a game-high tying four shots on goal and a game-high 10 total shot attempts. And he had three hits. I uh, did commit a third-period hooking minor, but then the overtime loss to the Canucks on Sunday afternoon. Ovechkin scored an even-strength goal, 7:37 into the second period for his 13th goal of this regular season. So Alex Ovechkin, who could not buy a goal for months, now has a five-game goal-scoring streak. He, over his last 15 games, has 16 points, seven goals, and nine assists. Here was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, he's, he's playing at a real high level. feel like he's even skating a little bit more. I feel like there's a, there's a little bit more jump in his step. Like, talked about it a couple times since coming back from the break. So that's it's a positive, um, positive step because we need him, and, and it's well documented, our, our um, production issues. So for him to get going, and even in the way he's scoring, like I know these aren't highlight reel it's in off skates but but these are positive things and you can feel him gaining uh, more confidence as as each one goes in and as he gets on a little bit of a roll yeah we during Alex Ovechkin's goal scoring struggles talked about how his process stats really screamed that he was playing better than his goal total suggested and sure enough the goal total is starting to catch up to the process stats. Uh, this is great to see. Also great to see was the work of Alex Ovechkin's line mates in that win at the Bruins on Saturday afternoon. Talking about Dylan Strom and TJ Oshie. Top line center Dylan Strom scored an even strength goal at 324 into the third period for his team leading 20th goal of this regular season. And top line right wing TJ Oshie, he scored a power play goal 105 into the second period as the Caps went 1-3 on the power play. The goal was Oshie's 189th regular season goal for the Caps, moving him past Bobby Carpenter for number nine 
on the Caps' all-time regular season goal list, uh, and Oshie had a secondary assist. Uh, the Caps, in the overtime loss to the Canucks on Sunday afternoon, went 0-2 on the power play. But the Caps had a perfect weekend on the penalty kill. The win at the Bruins on Saturday afternoon. The Caps went 4-4 on the penalty kill. The overtime loss to the Canucks on Sunday afternoon. The Caps went 3-3 on the penalty kill. Pretty good goaltending for the Caps over the weekend. The win at the Bruins on Saturday afternoon. Charlie Lindgren was the Caps starting goaltender for the eighth time in 11 games. And he bounced back off having struggled in each of his previous three games. He stopped all 18 of the shots on goal that he faced. Uh, No, he was not tested much. The Caps in this game held the Bruins to just 18 shots on goal, including just eight shots on goal over the first two periods. And the Caps, for natural stat trick, held the Bruins to just 26 five-on-five shot attempts. And then the overtime loss to the Canucks on Sunday afternoon. Darcy Kemper was the Caps' starting goaltender for just the fourth time in 12 games. He stopped 26 of the 29 shots on goal that he faced. It is a shame that the Caps did not win that game. They blew a 2-1 second period lead, lost on an unassisted even-strength goal by Canucks center J.T. Miller with 4.8 seconds left in overtime as he connected on a snapshot from the right circle off a turnover by the Caps in their defensive zone. Third-line center Connor McMichael was charged with the giveaway. He had no points, registered a plus-minus rating of minus two, went just 4-9 on face-offs, and committed a second-period holding minor. All of that, you say, boy, Connor McMichael had a really bad game, but McMichael in this game was number two on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 73.91. The Caps with McMichael on the ice and five-on-five situations in the game had 17 shot attempts versus allowing just a six shot attempt. So good things were happening with McMichael on the ice uh, until the very end. (laughs) Uh, Also involved in that giveaway was defenseman John Carlson. He in this game on Sunday afternoon had no points and registered a game worst plus minus rating of minus three. Although Carlson did have a game high 12 total shot attempts and did have a game high four block shots. And he was tied for number five on the caps and five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 60 is the Caps with Carlson on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 30 shot attempts versus allowing 20 shot attempts. Bottom line, a good weekend for the Caps off a painful losing streak. Next up for the Caps, home to the Colorado Avalanche, Tuesday night at 7. Well, the Wizards over the weekend faced two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. The results were two more losses uh, for our tanking Wizards, but these were in a lot of ways respectable losses. And yes, that is loser talk, (laughs) but the Wizards right now are losers. Uh, They are, though, playing better. Brian Keith, as interim head coach, is getting the Wizards to be more respectable as compared to what was happening with Wes Unsell Jr. as head coach. Friday night, a 133-129 loss at the NBA-leading Boston Celtics. The Wizards in the third quarter actually held an eight-point lead at 72-64, but they then allowed the Celtics to go on a 38 15 run for a 15-point lead at 102-87 early in the fourth quarter. The Wizards ended up trailing for the entire 
fourth quarter. Saturday night, a 119-113 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers at Capital One Arena. The Wizards trailed for all of the second, third, and fourth quarters, although the Wizards did cut a 15-point third quarter deficit to just two points in the fourth quarter, but it should be pointed out that the 76ers were without multiple key players. Seven-foot center Joel Embiid did not play due to having undergone a left knee meniscus procedure, and 6'3", DeAnthony Melton did not play due to a back injury. And uh, bottom line, the Wizards now have lost six consecutive games and for this regular season are 9-43. and 43. That is the second worst record in the NBA. In fact, the Wizards are just a game ahead of the NBA worst Detroit Pistons. So the Wizards are 9-43. and 43. The Pistons are 8-44. Uh, we end the Wizards' loss at the Celtics on Friday night. Did have history. Uh, the Wizards tied a franchise record for made threes in a regular season game with 20. Uh, the Wizards went 20-47 on threes. And the Wizards, for the first time in franchise history, had at least six players, each with at least three made threes in a regular season game. That also tied the NBA record for most players on one team in a regular season game, each with at least three made threes. So the Wizards offense was good. They also went 25 of 48 on twos and 19 of 21 on free throws and finished with 32 assists versus just 12 turnovers. Uh, And the Wizards offense in the loss to the 76ers on Saturday night was mostly good. The Wizards in that game went 13 of 35 on threes and 29 of 51 on twos and totaled 28 assists. Uh, Did commit 17 turnovers. Uh, The Wizards' defense over the weekend was mixed. Their three-point defense was good. Their interior defense was not good. Uh, The loss at the Celtics on Friday night, the Wizards held the Celtics to just 11-34 on threes, but allowed the Celtics to score 62 points in the paint and going 31-50 in the paint. The Wizards in this game got shredded by former Wizard Chris Stapps Porzingis. Uh, He in just 32 minutes, 53 seconds as a starter, had 34 points and 11 rebounds. He went 2-4 on threes, 7-14 on twos, and 14-14 on free throws. He did have no assists versus three turnovers, but Porzingis in a third quarter that the Wizards lost 36-16 had 14 points and five rebounds. Uh, The loss to the 76ers on Saturday night. The Wizards held the 76ers to just 8-27 on threes, but allowed the Sixers to score 74 points in the paint in allowing the Sixers to go 37 of 68 in the paint. And things could have been worse. The Sixers went just 15-23 on free throws. Uh, also, the Wizards in that game had just seven offensive rebounds to the 76ers 13 and just nine second chance points to the Sixers at 21. But very good weekend for Denny Avdia. Uh, The loss at the Celtics on Friday night. Denny in 41 minutes, 47 seconds as a starter went 3 of 5 on threes, 4 of 5 on twos, and 7 of 8 on free throws. He finished with 24 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists versus 3 turnovers, 2 steals, and a team best plus minus rating of plus 12. What was especially nice about that game on Friday night is that Three recent first-round picks for the Wizards. Denny, Corey Kispert, and Bilal Koulibaly all played well. Uh, We had Denny, 
who the Wizards took with the number nine overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft doing what he did. We had Corey Kispert, who the Wizards took with the number 15 overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft, having a really nice offensive game. He in 23 minutes, 51 seconds off the bench, went three of six on three, six of eight on twos, and three of three on free throws. He finished with 24 points, six rebounds, four assists versus no turnovers and three steals, although he did have a plus-minus rating of a minus 14. The defense of uh, Corey Kispert can be lacking. Uh, and we had Bilal Koulibaly, who the Wizards got via the number seven overall pick in the 2023 NBA draft. Not shooting well, but still doing some good things. 32 minutes, 31 seconds as a starter. He did go just 6 of 18 from the field, 4 12 on threes, and just 2 of 6 on twos. But he also went 5 of 5 on free throws, and he finished with 21 points, 8 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards, 3 assists versus 2 turnovers, and 2 steals. And then the loss to the 76ers on Saturday night, Denny Avdia. 39 minutes, 18 seconds as a starter, went just one of four on threes and committed five turnovers, but he also went eight of 10 on twos and two of two on free throws and finished with 21 points, 13 rebounds, and five assists. And this game marked Denny notching two consecutive regular season games, each with at least 20 points and at least 10 rebounds for the first time in his NBA career. Uh, this was Brian Keith during his post-game press conference on Saturday night on Denny Avdia. I think Denny's shown some tremendous growth here in the last even, you know, six to eight games. Uh, you know, big game on the boards tonight. Like, we have him guarding multiple guys. He's playmaking, attacking. Uh, he's showing growth. I'm, I'm trusting him to make decisions with the ball and attack the rim. But I, what I like is his rebounding has been high the last few games. and that's That's what we need from him. Yeah, Denny Avdia for this regular season has a true shooting percentage of 606, by far the best of his career. A true shooting percentage, a version of shooting percentage that takes into account threes being worth more than twos and takes free throws into account. Uh, also over the weekend, the return of Marvin Bagley III. Uh, Bagley, in that loss to the 76ers on Saturday night, was back. He returned from a four-game absence caused by a lower back contusion, but he played for just 14 minutes, 52 seconds as a starter, went just 1-7 from the field, 0-1 on threes, and just 1-6 on twos. He scored just two points and had just one rebound, did have two blocks. Uh, the Wizards, in that loss at the Celtics on Friday night, actually had Kyle Kuzma as their starting center. Now, Kuzma is listed by the Wizards as being 6'10", but he, of course, is not a true center. But the Wizards for that game were minus a whole lot of bigs. Bagley was still out. Rashawn Holmes was not available of having just been acquired by a trade on 2024 NBA trade deadline day, which was this past Thursday. And 6'9", Patrick Baldwin Jr., who the Wizards on Friday morning announced as having recalled from their G League affiliate, the Capital City Go-Go. He was not available due to a sprained right ankle. Uh, and so we had Kuzma as the starting center on Friday night. 37 minutes, two seconds as a starter. Three of eight on threes, three of six on twos, two of two on free throws. He finished with 17 points, five assists versus no turnovers and four rebounds. Kuzma in the loss to the 76ers on Saturday night. 37 minutes, 10 seconds as a starter. Two of six on threes, seven of 11 on twos, one of two on free throws. He finished with 21 points, five assists, four blocks, and three rebounds did commit four turnovers. Uh, Rashawn Holmes was available for Saturday night, but he was a DNP CD. Uh, also good on Saturday night was a guy who the Wizards surprisingly did not trade 
this past Thursday, Tyus Jones. Uh, Jones in 30 minutes, 58 seconds as a starter, went 6-9 on threes, 3-5 three of five on twos, and 1-1 one of one on free throws. He finished with 25 points, 9 assists versus 1 turnover and 3 rebounds. The 6 made threes were a new NBA career regular season best for Jones. And Jones remains number one among all qualified NBA players in assist to turnover ratio for this regular season. Uh, That ratio now is at 7.17. He has 337 assists versus just 47 turnovers. Next up for the Wizards is a game on Monday night. Uh, The Wizards are at the Dallas Mavericks, to whom the Wizards this past Thursday traded Daniel Gafford. Wizards at the Mavericks Monday night at 8.30. We move now to college basketball. The bad times uh, for Maryland, Georgetown, and Virginia Tech continue, but the good times for Virginia continue. Uh, we begin with Maryland. It for this season fell to 13 and 11 overall and 5 and 8 in the Big Ten with a 79 75 double overtime loss at Ohio State on Saturday. The Terrapins for this season now are just 1 and 7 in one possession games. Games decided by four points or less. The Terps this season do not win close games. And this loss was a bad loss. The Terps lost to an Ohio State team that had lost five consecutive games and that came into this game just three and nine in the Big Ten on the season. And the Terps in this game blew a 10-point first half lead. Their defense was mixed. Uh, The Terps held Ohio State to just four of 17 on threes, but allowed Ohio State to go 25 of 49 on twos and getting outscored in the paint 42-32. And the Terps got carved up by 6-2 Ohio State point guard Bruce Thornton. He, in 44 minutes as a starter, went 2-5 of on threes, 8-15 of on twos, and 2-2 two of two on free throws. He finished with 24 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists versus 1 turnover. But the story of this game, in a lot of ways, was... Yeah, (laughs) the Terps offense, which has been a real problem this season. Now, the Terps did go 7-17 on threes. That's pretty good. But the Terps also went just 17-45 of on twos. Uh, That's really bad. And the Terps went just 20 of 30 on free throws. So many missed free throw attempts by the Terps down the stretch of this game. The Terps, in fact, scored one point over the final Four minutes, 27 seconds of the second half. This was another game in which the Terps' big three did the bulk of the scoring. Jameer Young, Julian Reese, and Dante Scott, they combined for 58 of the Terps' 75 points. But it's not like all three guys had great games. So 6'9", Julian Reese, in fact, had a rough game. He, in 49 minutes as a starter, went just 4 of 15 from the field, all twos, and he went just 5 of 11 on free throws, and he committed four turnovers. Uh, Did finish with 13 points, 13 rebounds, including four 
offensive boards and two assists. 6-1 point guard Jameer Young, he in 47 minutes as a starter, went just 4 of 14 on twos, did go 4 of 8 on threes, and went 6 of 7 on free throws. He finished with 26 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists versus three turnovers. And 6'8", Dante Scott, 48 minutes as a starter, 2 of 4 on threes, 3 of 5 on twos, 7 of 10 on free throws. He finished with 19 points and 7 rebounds. He did have one assist versus three turnovers. Uh, also, Terps head coach Kevin Willard gave 6'11", New Mexico State transfer, Matty Traore, uh, who is from Paris, his first start for the Terps. The Frenchman got the start. Uh, Matty Traore, in 20 minutes as a starter, went 4-6 or six from the field, all twos. He finished with eight points and five rebounds, including three offensive boards. But any realistic hopes for the Terps getting an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament are plummeting. <laughs> uh, next up for Maryland, home to Iowa, Wednesday night at 8.30. Uh, we on Saturday had yet another humiliating loss for Georgetown. Uh, the Hoyas for this season fell to 8-15 and 15 overall and 1-11 and 11 in the Big East with an 89-64 loss to number one UConn at Capital One Arena on Saturday afternoon. The Hoyas had their second largest crowd for a home game so far this season. The announced attendance, 13,040. Uh, the Hoyas, 80-68 loss to Syracuse at Capital One Arena on Saturday, December 9th. In a game with an 11.30 a.m. start time, uh, had an announced attendance of 14,193. But Georgetown in this game against UConn did not give Hoyas fans much to cheer about. Uh, the Hoyas clinched having a losing regular season Big East record for the eighth time in nine seasons. Uh, the Hoyas suffered their eighth consecutive loss and lost by at least 24 points for a third time in five games. And the Hoyas in this game never held a lead. They trailed by at least 20 points for the entire second half. Hoyas head coach Ed Cooley during his postgame press conference, quote, I always say this, the point guard, the head coach, and the best player can never have a bad day. And all three of us today were god-awful. God-awful. I should have just stayed in bed and had you coach the damn team. We were not physical today at all, at all, at all, at all at all. <laughs> Our physicality was left somewhere in the hotel or on Georgetown's campus today. We just didn't show up. We didn't. End quote. <laughs> Quite the indictment of his team. Uh, the Hoyas defense was god-awful. Uh, they allowed UConn to score 89 points, including 52 points in the first half. The Hoyas allowed UConn to go 9-20 on threes and 24-34 on twos and getting doubled up in points in the paint 48-24. The Hoyas allowed UConn to finish with 26 assists versus seven turnovers. And things could have been worse because UConn went just 14-24 on free throws. Uh, and the Hoyas shooting was really bad. They went 5-15 on threes, just 18-43 on twos, and just 13-18 on on free throws. So the bright spot for the Hoyas was 6'6", North Carolina transfer Dontrez Styles. He in 37 minutes as a starter, went 3-6 on threes, 5-10 on twos, and 4-5 on free throws. He finished with 23 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 blocks. He did have no assists versus 2 turnovers, but Styles went 3-6 on threes. The rest of the Hoyas went just a 2-9 on threes. Styles went 5-10 on twos. The rest of the Hoyas went just 13 of 33 on twos, and a particularly rough game 
for a 6-2 Illinois transfer, Jaden Epps. 32 minutes as a starter, he scored just four points. He went just two of eight from the field, 0-2 on threes, and just 2-6 on twos, and he went 0-2 on free throws. He did have four assists versus one turnover and four rebounds. Next up for Georgetown is another game against a ranked Big East team at number 19 Creighton, Tuesday night at 8.30. Happier times for Virginia. wahoo <laughs> Remains on a roll. The Cavaliers for this season improved to 19-5 overall and 10-3 in the ACC with an 80-76 win at Florida State on Saturday night. The Cavs won their eighth consecutive game. They never trailed by more than two points. The Cavs in the second half allowed two different 12-point leads to get cut to two points, but the Cavs led for the entire second half. Now, the Wahoos' defense was mixed. They held Florida State to just 2 of 16 on threes. That was great. But the Hoos did allow Florida State to go 22 of 31 on twos and allowed Florida State to generate 33 free throw attempts. FSU went 26 of 33 on free throws. But UVA's offense was good. UVA scored 80 points, went 10 of 18 on threes and 18 to 24 on free throws and had 18 assists versus eight turnovers. It did go just 16 of 34 on twos, but a tremendous game for 6'4 Isaac McNeely, the man known as IMAC. Uh, he, in 34 minutes, 21 seconds as a starter, went 5 of 7 on threes, 3 of 5 on twos, and 8 of 9 on free throws. He finished with 29 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists versus two turnovers, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 11. This was UVA head coach Tony Bennett during his post-game press conference on Saturday night on Isaac McNeely. Yeah, uh, he was, he's, you know, he's only in his second year and he's, he's getting more assertive and looking for a shot, has deep range, but I like that he put it on the deck a little more, which you have to, and um, he's having a heck of a year and, and he's, um, you know, he's a good one and I thought that was tonight, he's had a few coming out parties, but tonight he was, he was really good in terms of showing um, what he could do in big time spots. Yeah, Isaac McNeely now is shooting a sparkling 47.97% on threes this season. 59 of 123. He, as of games through Saturday, was number one among all qualified players in Division I men's basketball and three-point percentage for this season. Uh, 6'3", Reese Beekman, he on Saturday night in 36 minutes, 14 seconds as a starter, went 0-3 on threes and just 7 of 11 on free throws, but he also went 7 of 13 on twos and finished with 21 points, five assists versus three turnovers, four rebounds, and two steals. And 6'9", Oklahoma transfer Jacob Groves was productive for a fourth consecutive game. He on Saturday night in 22 minutes, 11 seconds off the bench went two of two on threes. Did go just two of six on twos, but he finished with 10 points, three rebounds, two steals, and a plus minus rating of a plus nine. Next up for Virginia, home to Pitt Tuesday night at seven. So Virginia got a road win on Saturday, but Virginia Tech did not. Uh, the Hokies lost their third consecutive game. They, for this season, fell to 13-10 and 10 overall and 5-7 and seven in the ACC with a 74-66 loss at Notre Dame on Saturday evening. A really disappointing loss for Tech, which lost at a Notre Dame team that came into the game just a 2-10 in the ACC this season. The Hokies blew a nine-point first-half lead, trilled by 11 points deep 
into the second half. A tale of two halves for Tech offensively. The Hokies in the first half scored 39 points and went 6 of 11 on threes and 9 of 15 on twos. But the Hokies in the second half scored just 27 points and went just 2 of 13 on threes and just 8 of 18 on twos. Uh, This was yet another high turnover game for 6-1 point guard Sean Padula. He in 34 minutes as a starter went just 3 of 10 on twos and committed 6 turnovers. He also went 1 to 2 on threes and 4 of 5 on free throws. He finished with 13 points, 3 assists, 2 steals, and 2 rebounds. But Padula in 12 ACC games this season has 57 turnovers, an average of 4.75 turnovers per conference game this season. Way too high. Uh, 6'3", Hunter Couture, he in 35 minutes as a starter, went 4 of 11 on threes and 3 of 5 on twos. He finished with 18 points, 2 assists versus 1 turnover and 2 rebounds. Next up for Virginia Tech, home to Florida State, Tuesday night at 9. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 761. We'll have plenty for you on the Commanders. Also on Tuesday show, I'll talk Wizards. The Wizards are at the Dallas Mavericks Monday night at 830. Have a great rest of your Monday and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Stop, Bears. Stop, Bears.